Welcome to the Hatch and Curiosity podcast, where homeschooling families cultivate innovation through curiosity, creativity, and critical thinking. I'm your host, Christina Hatch. You're listening to episode 19, Nature Study in the Summer. You would think that summer, in its resplendent beauty, would be the most obvious season to do nature study, but it presents its own challenges. The two times a year I've seen people get the most excited about nature journaling is in April as we long for the first signs of spring and in August as we recommit to good habits with starry-eyed hopes for the new school year. What happens in between is life. Vibrant, sweet, warm, and at times busy. We fill our days with summer activities, outside work, planning, and every moment we can just savoring la vita bella or the beautiful life. I notice that for me, I cycle through seasons in the year. I'm probably at my best in the fall, focused, enthusiastic about the new school year, refreshed and organized. I spend the later part of October complaining about Halloween and then pull it together for a joyful and reflective holiday season. In January, I lull, going through the motions and sometimes minimize my school day as I minimize my house. March brings birthdays and St. Patrick's Day, which is one of the biggest holidays at our house. I become enchanted with learning again and seek out adventures, unit studies, and science projects. April brings hope for spring and sun and life. I think this has to be universal, though, because I notice that the nature study side of my business gets really busy as everyone is eager to spend their days outside. As spring turns to summer, the rhythm of my day changes, and I become somewhat of a paradox. Daydreaming and enjoying every flavor, scent, and texture of the peach I'm eating how I can be so unproductive, but yet exponentially grow at the same time. I know we all go through seasons, and yours may be a little bit different than mine, but a season of joyful rest is good for the soul. Allowing time to laze in the grass and watch the light dance through the leaves above you under a tree, or watch as a snail slowly makes its way across your front step, lets the quiet stillness settle into your heart. These times of stillness let you contemplate or process what you've learned. It gives you time to let your mind wander, sparking creative connections or curious questions. Natural inquiry can lead to critical thinking. I read a story the other day about a man who took his dog for a walk in the fields behind his house in late summer. Anyone who has done this can relate to the time-consuming frustration of pulling burrs from their dog and yourself that inevitably follows. This time though, the burrs caught his curiosity and he brought them home for further investigation. Under a microscope, he noticed the hook structure at the end of each barb and how it caught on the small loops of his socks. This discovery alone would be enough to joyfully satisfy the casually curious, but he let it sit with him until eventually it inspired the invention of Velcro. I'm a little obsessed with the concept of biomimicry or copying design from nature because nature has a beautiful way of doing things in the most efficient and productive way. In order to make life-changing innovation derived from nature, we must first spend enough time observing it to become deeply curious, to ask next-level questions that come once a basic understanding is ingrained in us. Asking better questions sometimes includes, how can we apply this? to other things? Or where else do we see this pattern? Or how might this new information be useful in XYZ endeavor? 
In every example I've heard of where innovation has been drawn from nature, it has come only after the innovator has spent the time with their inspiration. During these lazy days of summer, the more time you and your children spend outside, the more outdoors will become a part of them. The more likely they will to become naturally curious about natural things and to dig a little deeper. Right now, I have a cabbage-eating caterpillar in my butterfly enclosure that I've bought a cabbage to feed so that my eight-year-old can observe it while keeping it out of my garden. I have a small rock collection by my front door, always being added to by my three-and-a-half-year-old. On the long drive through a national forest this weekend, my six-year-old quietly looked out the window for a long time before asking me about the life cycle of a mosquito. Dear, where mammal babies come from and where human babies come from. By letting go of the structure of nature study, after having built the habit of observation and inquiry, it makes room for passion-driven learning. My sons, nieces, and nephews are so in the habit of nature study that we can't go on a walk down our country road without them pointing out bird calls, insects, tracks, and scat, both hoping to identify it and now asking deeper questions. The habits we built through structured nature study has trained their eyes to see and their minds to think. Aside from a weekly nature journaling practice, one way you can cultivate this, especially in the summer, is to observe one thing over time. I've mentioned our apple tree study a few times now here on the podcast as well as on Instagram. We set out at the very beginning of spring to observe the apple tree throughout the year. The kids have loved watching the flowers come on, the bees busy pollinating, ovaries start to swell, and small apples start to form. The exponential growth, though, is coming to an end. Over the next couple weeks and months, we will slowly see the apples plump and redden. Every week, instead of the dramatic changes we've become used to, it'll be a slow and incremental growth. But this is where it gets interesting. Spending time observing the same thing makes you look closer. The first week, one of the entries was, this is an apple tree. Soon, it'll grow apples. This last week, they asked, why do they redden from different directions? They had me dissect one that had fallen to see if the seeds were already forming and asked how many different kinds of apples there are. Over the course of the summer, we look closely under the microscope, compare other trees, and learn more about the orchard ecosystem as a whole. By the end of harvest, the kids will likely know more about orcharding than most adults. While it's good to have breadth in education, it is in the depth that magic happens. If we're going to talk about nature study in the summer, though, we can't ignore the humming life all around us. This is the most lively season and a great time to observe just about any natural interest that you have, from bugs to flowers to rocks. It is especially good time to observe reptiles, amphibians, and to track when you see which bugs. There is definitely a grasshopper season where I live, as well as a box elder bug season and a spider season, where they seem to be everywhere all of a sudden and then just as fast disappear. Keeping a garden lets you get intimately acquainted with botany. Harvesting is another chance to let you see that everything has a season. With more vacations taking place, Don't forget your nature journal. Spend just a small amount of time noticing the different fauna and flora from where you live. Go tide pooling. Do a lake study and take a closer look at fish. Go camping and spend an afternoon in one spot, tracking all the visitors that come your way. Press flowers, 
identify wild berries, compare a cornstalk to other types of grass, or get a little bit more hands-on. You could do this by setting your nature journal aside and instead investigating a fallen bird's nest or going out to the pond and collecting a sample that you can look under a microscope and see what kind of microorganisms are living there. You could even keep a frog, salamander, or other wild friend for an hour and draw them with as much detail as you can, or watch a squirrel at a park and make notes on its behavior. Learn to identify trees by their shape, bark, and leaves and fruit. This would be a great precursor to a fall study. Just about anything you'd want to study can be found and enjoyed in summer, but even though the days are long, it passes quickly and is ever-changing, so get outside and enjoy it while you can. Just remember to bring water, sunscreen, and bug spray, check for ticks, and change out of your sandals before going on a hike of any distance. This is the perfect season to get some good in-field nature journal entries. Oftentimes in the springtime because it's so wet and muddy or still melting off, we'll gather specimens and bring them back in. Or in the autumn time, we'll collect leaves or do tree rubbings. Most of the time when it gets a little too cold, we'll start bringing specimens in to look at and observe later or look at pictures or videos we've taken. This summer, you don't really need to do that. We've got the perfect weather. It's ideal to spend time outside. So take advantage of that and get more in-field observations. Some of the advantages of this are when you go to pull a flower, you'll notice that will wilt very quickly and some exceptionally fast. If you are able to observe it in its environment, not only will you get better observation of the specimen itself, but you'll actually also be able to get more information about that specimen. For example, you'll be able to see what other plants grow near it, or does it grow in especially sunny and dry areas or in more shady areas? You can gather information about its environment, which will help give you more clues as to what you can learn from the flower itself. Another thing that's great about taking in-field observations is that you can just stay and observe an animal in its natural element. One time we were hiking and we found this amazing lizard, and it was just basking in the sun and it got a little skittish when we got close but from a distance we were able to see it just slowly walk across the log and get a little bit more into the sunlight soaking up more of that heat which led to a great discussion about cold-blooded animals. So I think when you're out in the field obviously take care to make sure that the kids aren't going to get dehydrated or heat stroke or any of the other dangers of summer. Go in the morning time or in the afternoon if it's cool where you're at, but spend some time out there and bring your journal along and then take the notes where you are and just spend a little bit more time doing outdoor nature study because you have the time to spend. And in those moments, you're able to capture things that you don't when you're copying out of a nature book or looking at a video or a picture or even bringing specimens home. Another favorite of mine is to wake up early in the morning and notice the dew on the grass and how the world slowly wakes up with you or stay up late and catch a meteor shower. I even love laying in the grass and cloud gazing with my kids and making jokes about what we can see in the clouds and just seeing the world through their eyes for a change, which is really what summer's all about, right? If you'd like to learn more about nature study, check out hatchingcuriosity.com slash nature study. And as always, until next time, stay curious.